Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, This week on Dispatches from the Verge, David Morrison and I sit down and discuss this idea of um, control, um, powerlessness, um, kind of how the the churches uh, co-opted the idea of um, a gospel of winners, so to speak. And it's actually in our... uh, losses and um, figurative deaths that we can uh, experience a resurrection. And so uh, we kind of bounce around on that topic and explore that today. But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Uh, Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. Uh, That's what you hear in the background. Uh, If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com. You can also go to drcrpod.com to see, to listen to any of our other episodes, whether it's this series, Dispatches from the Verge, or Road to Desert Rain. Also, if you would, uh, please tell a friend. If you're enjoying this, uh, that really helps us out on many different levels. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. I met I, having two titles for the podcasts, or like to, oh, if yeah. it messes me up. Like when I do the intros, I'll say "Dispatches from the Verge" when it's oh, "Road to okay. Desert Rain." I thought you were moonlighting for Joe Rogan, so you <laughs> you cover for him now and then <laughs> when he doesn't have um, COVID. <laughs> when he's got the when he's got the COVIDs. Uh, dispatches from the verge, yes. desert rain community radio. Not, not a pretentious title at all. <laughs> David Morrison and I, Dorian Mason, checking in from Chaparral. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm okay. I'm copacetic in this September. Living, living Hot days, cold nights. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. We're a day away. When this is released, it'll be probably two months away from your, removed from your birthday. <laughs> yeah, probably. A month removed, but it'll be winter already. You know, winter is coming. Um, so you and I have have talked about sort of with the the whole pandemic thing, uh, the medical stuff you went through the past year and a half. Um, you and I have talked about this somewhat at length outside of the rooms, and this quote came to mind this morning. And uh, as always, we didn't prep, so you haven't heard this. So. Um, but this, so this is from, this is a paragraph from the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. Uh, lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? Um, and I think that coupled with sort of powerlessness and lack of control was sort of the conversations we've had outside of this room. And so I'll leave you with that. So, so it's the big book. It's, it's setting up the premise mm-hmm, exactly. of the first step. Is that what the, you know, the where we're uh, powerless say, in our, I would say the more the second step. So the first, oh, okay. the, you know, the first step is, is that idea of powerlessness. So you have to explore and, your own powerlessness first and come to the realization of it. And then the second one is, well, then where does, right? where where do I look for power? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and I would, I think many people would argue that if you've showed up at a 12-step meeting, um, you're pretty powerless and your life is unmanageable, which are sort of the two check boxes. If if you showed up at a 12-step meeting and you're still questioning your powerlessness or you're still questioning the unmanageability of your life, um, those are almost like prerequisites, I would say. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. Other people are like, yeah, you can, you can intellectually get to that place, but I don't, I don't know if you can. I see. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it reminds me of, I think you quoted him, uh, the Henry Nowen quote, which I think you, you said it without even re- knowing it was Nowen. I think you had it. I think you came to this realization cause you said it recently, uh, we don't, we don't, uh, 
think our way into a new way of living. We live our way into a new way of thinking kind of thing. And may, he might have been quoting Alcoholics. I was going to say that. He, yeah, he, he probably picked that. <laughs> when I read it I in feel his like book, you know, I was interesting. like, wow, that's powerful, you know. Yeah, so that's a very, you know, it's and, and again, it, it really pushes to the mysteriousness of life, really. Because mm-hmm. why does one person awaken, uh, whether it's a religious, spiritual awakening or, or a sobriety awakening, you know, they're all kind of under the same umbrella in my opinion. Well, and I yeah, I would agree with that and even and it could be even just an awakening that happens like in nature or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it doesn't even yeah. have to be attached. Yeah, almost perennial philosophy kind of thing and you know, so I don't I don't mean to offend those that follow the Jesus uh <laughs> Jesus is the only Jesus is not uh in in my experience is not a jealous of uh what you call him you know he's not scraping for his identity no you didn't use my name sorry i can't help you (laughs) well i think anybody that cries out in the universe for help uh god's presence is there right to to do that to do exactly that but it's still mysterious why do some awaken to sobriety and, and then others struggle their entire lives in in addictions and unmanageability of life and so it's just it's always been a that randomness of the of the universe and and so i guess i guess my question for you you know and maybe focused on the last year because i i think it's an interesting thing to delve into especially because we've been you and i have been basically recording for a year wow i think it's uh, i think it's 13 months or something like that interesting and so like for you personally how has how has your life butted up against that idea of of either powerlessness or lack of control um, in a new way or uh, yeah. a, a rediscovered way or something of that nature? Uh, I think it's that sense of powerlessness has was ingrained in me from childhood because I you know I came at birth. Uh, I wasn't breathing, mm-hmm. and so they, you know, they had to put me in an incubator kind mm. of situation to get my lungs working. So everything was just broken. Uh, this on this last episode last year during the triple bypass, I was just telling Marsha that it's just becoming too expensive of of a production <laughs> to keep my ass alive. You know, why, why right. are we doing this? So, so from childhood, when you have an asthma attack. Uh, the the inhaler uh, crew out there knows what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to have that inhaler next. Uh, it it becomes a psychological. You have to have it mm-hmm. next to you uh, on the be, you know next to your bed when you're right. If you if you go to school and you forget it, it's a big effing deal. <laughs> uh, it's like all right, no no. Asthma attacks today. Yeah, and so so just a childhood filled with that, going to the hospital with pneumonia every spring, uh, one time having the flu and double pneumonia mm. at the same time, and uh, and the, you know, and the whisperings of doctors to my parents saying they're gonna you know, do a tracheotomy. And, Mama, what's a tracheotomy? <laughs> kind of thing. Did they well, do one? They were they were about few, to. Yeah, and then my mom started praying the rosary beads harder and. <laughs> It's made of a quicker recovery than they had expected. So, so there's a sense of powerlessness when you're in an asthma attack and you can't breathe. And uh, there's one time a, 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 a childhood friend of mine, close friend, um, was, we were uh, spending the night in, in his backyard in a tent like 1970s kids did. And, uh, and you know, we'd been wandering the neighborhood that night and so i lost my inhaler and, mm-hmm. and so he was a good friend and we looked everywhere retracing our steps to try to find it which we never did and, mm-hmm. and the asthma just kept getting worse and worse so there's this sense so your breathing is like the core of who you are uh, and so so to not have power over that from an early age I, it's had to have had a spiritual effect on my life and and how i look at power and lack of power and that kind of thing. It's an interesting thing to explore. Yeah, but that, so 
what has that looked like in the last year with everything? It's kind of, uh, I guess, I guess it's a. Th- I guess what I'm trying to say it's a theme. It's a thread that's been in my life all along. So it wasn't a new revelation. So I come back to that common prayer or revelation that I say. I, I don't have the power to grant my next breath. Mm. Uh, uh, but what if the next breath came from a well of thanksgiving, and was a thank you? Was it was a a breath of gratitude and then the next breath and then the next breath and then it's gratitude all the way down all the way up and and then life itself everything becomes a gift mm-hmm. at that point right um so that was kind of my go-to i wouldn't have had that language you know in, in my youth obviously. of course right, right so right, right. so going through it this last year that sense of powerlessness uh that that's kind of my as far as a cognitive awareness of it, that that's what I would go to. And how has that sort of springboarded or evolved? I guess actually a better word I think would be evolved um, your spirituality in the in the most recent in the most recent months. Uh, I, I guess it's just a reinforcement of you know I don't. We, we always get up in the morning thinking we have a future, mm-hmm. and we uh, and we go to bed thinking about the day we the have, past. right we have the next so morning a, but the reality is there we don't have a future or a past mm-hmm. we have this moment and i know a lot of people no i'm going to heaven and no you, you have to take the steps first you, you're bypassing it when you say well i'm going to go to i'm going to go to a better place you know all the people that, that talk well, about and you might not <laughs> if yeah. you believe in that well they, all, they usually know who's not going to the good <laughs> well of course heaven. of course yeah uh, my name comes up in that often uh and so because of having wrong ideas about God and, mm-hmm. you know, and they're the ones who have the right ideas. And so it's a sad place to live. Uh, it's a phony place to live. Um, but, but, but when you're in that moment, you have to realize I've never, I don't own the past and I don't own the future. All I really have is this present moment. And so, so you have to really show up to that moment, no matter how painful that is. And we don't even we don't even really have the moment, no. Because as by the time you become conscious of the moment, it's past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's each breath. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was that was definitely something that's been reinforced through physical suffering and um, entering into that, you know. And and there are times, you know, you do need to envision a future mm-hmm. for right. hope's sake, you know. And so when I've been in, not so much physical pain, but other painful things. Uh, uh, relational pain and and community pain and mm-hmm. friendship, you know that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, it's good to I think for me anyway, it, it works to daydream mm. and think. I, and so so you can fool your mind into thinking you have options. Maybe you do have options, uh, but you know I, I could move away. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, all the, you know, and and so that that could get you through some difficult times too. You just can't stay there, always looking at options. Uh, you need to show up where you're at. Mm-hmm. So, and and this is a this kind of just came to me now, but through your um, rehabilitation mm-hmm. since your your surgeries last year, um, and because what I've I've lived out here three years, I think. Wow, a little over three years, and it seems as though you're physically you're in the best shape that you've been since I've lived out here. Mm. So I don't know if that, have you noticed that in the sense of um, your spiritual walk or your, your um, ability to engage with the moment? Has that, has that changed for you at all? No, it pretty much feels the same to be honest with you. I mean, I, a little bit more of a spring in the step kind of thing. Um, this time last year, I was feeling, you know, because I was blood was actually pumping through my body, and I was feeling good. So, so you know, I have more positive outlook on things, more joyful, light, more lighthearted. Yeah, and you just seem. You also seem like you have more energy. Yeah. Throughout the day. More, yeah. Uh, and then, so about it was about this time actually, and then when they decided to put the ICD in my chest for that surgery, that was very discouraging for me 
When, what, so, what month was that? It was right after. It was at the end of September. Oh, I thought so, I thought you had already had it. I thought it had already been a year. I thought it had no. already been over a year. Okay. So I was I was walking ten miles a day, uh, not in, not ten miles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ten right, miles throughout, cumulatively throughout right the, throughout the day. Right, yeah, right, I don't right. want to get the idea that I'm some sort of marathon walker, <laughs> but in a day, yeah, I was getting up to ten miles a, a day, uh, with that kind of energy, and then when they uh, installed the the defibrillator or pacemaker mm-hmm. in my chest. It kind of took the wind out of the sails after mm. that, so I just feel like I'm barely recovering after that. And then when my uh, when Padfoot, my dog, died yeah. in May, I didn't feel like walking very much anymore. And so there there are those kinds of things, you know. Uh, and then the saga with our daughter's mental health uh, is always looming over us. Right, always always a painful thing. And so. Um... You know, so for me, obviously, the this idea of um, powerlessness and lack of control came through my consumption of alcohol. You know, and you you talked about having that, so that you know, so it's been a common thread for me for twelve, thirteen years now. It sounds like the powerlessness idea has been a common thread uh, for you throughout yeah. you know throughout your life, and and. Um, So in your opinion, in your estimation, and I guess this would be more from a pastoral role, mm-hmm. do you think people can, can, well, I know it's possible, but this idea of, of an awakening, whether it's sobriety or, you know, a spiritual awakening or, a, you know, whatever, yeah. without some kind of trauma or tragedy you know, someone someone listening to this where their life has been aces up for yeah, yeah. thirty-five years or twenty years yeah. or whatever. They're the winners. Forty-five years. Um that idea of, of an awakening might seem unnecessary or far off. So I don't know yeah. as a pastor what what has sort of been your observations around that. Yeah, I think when you start talking about surrender, which is a very common important theme right in the in the bible but you don't you, you don't hear it on sunday mornings <laughs> unless it's surrender your wallet to our surrender, collection uh, surrender your tithe yeah, baby and i don't mean that to be totally cynical it's true uh, they really that's the context for the most part surrender to us as an institution mm. surrender to your elders your pastor uh not, right not surrender your identity to to christ um so anyway, but that's another topic for another day. Uh, but people that are so-called winners in life, uh, what they do is they take that sense of competitiveness. They see life as competition. They see life as war, as as adversary, mm-hmm. adversaries and friends, and uh, and they and they kind of sew that into the gospel, and so it really just becomes a gospel of. Uh, uh, capitalism it's it's mm. not the gospel of christ which is you surrender your power um but it's tricky because there are people who have a lot of people uh, have broken egos the, their their sense of self is broken mm. so that needs to be healed mm-hmm. and so so there is an empowerment that has to take place you need an empowerment from god where you feel where you become convinced that you are beloved what happens is when you don't surrender it, you you hold it all to yourself. So now you're the only ones who are beloved, and everyone else is going uh, is shit out of luck. You know, we got ours, and if you would just become like us and come to our church and and come to my understanding of God and my interpretation of the scriptures, which is not an interpretation, it is the scriptures. Mm-hmm. They cannot even tell the difference between their interpretation of scriptures and the scriptures themselves. That's how arrogant. So you can end up in this arrogant blind spot. And so then when you talk about surrendering power, entering into the powerlessness of Christ, surrendering, uh, you may as well be speaking in tongues. It, that makes no sense to them. Uh, I, I was talking to a, a pastor uh, about this issue, and uh, and he said, no, sir. He said, my my power, uh, my life is under the blood of Jesus. And, and I said, well, what about the command to take up your cross daily? 
and follow him, you know, and he was like, nope, I don't need to do that. He carried the cross for me. So I don't, you know, and it was interesting because he was, you know, he was a boomer. This was years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And he was, he was in good health at the time. And then the next time I saw him a couple months later, he had, uh, I, I don't remember if it was an accident, but he was he was in a terrible state of health, and, mm. and I just realized reality has a way of disagreeing with you, and uh, uh, you know, and it's and it's 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 hard as a mother, you know. Uh, well, and I think that goes back to to our uh, a conversation we recorded recently, but also one we've already released. You know, I, I think the name of that that um, episode was. Uh, when your certitudes fail you or something of that yeah that nature yeah. And, um and that's universal yeah uh, like it, you you and i have blind spots right now right that we have certitudes around that are going to fail us exactly next week or 10 years from now right yeah um which is the nature of life well and that's what i that's what i, I was it, sort of speaking <laughs> I, yeah i was speaking to that what you were saying just a minute ago with uh uh, life has a way of proving us wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, uh, I, I do wonder these days if, if you are, uh, wealthy and taken care of and, and like you said, your life has been aces up. Not all wealthy people have it good, you know? Of course, right. Yeah. They, there's wealthy, there are wealthy people who have, who want to blow their who brains are at out the right children's now. hospital right now yeah. and their child is dying of cancer. Uh, so, so I don't, I don't know. Well, I'm using wealth as not just material wealth, but wealthy well, there's, and there's comforts. all sorts of things, right? Like fa- fame. Yeah, yeah, fame, yeah. Everyone likes monetary you. Monetary wealth. Uh, you're secure in, in every socially. You're secure financially. You're secure uh, all in all those kinds of ways. I, I'm beginning to wonder if you're in that kind of a state in life, uh, you can't even begin to understand what Jesus is talking about in the gospels, you, you, you know, and it's kind of goes back to the eye of the needle. It's easier uh, for camel to go through the eye of the needle. And it's funny that, that prosperity preachers will manipulate that verse and say, but it's possible. Because <laughs> nice. there was, there was a gate in Jerusalem called the needle and, and they would squeeze camels through. It's like, yeah, you made that up. Yeah. <laughs> You're a bullshitter. Uh no, he meant a needle. Uh, well, they didn't have needles. And yeah, the oldest handcrafted uh, item on earth was is a sewing needle. Mm. And it's something like a million. It may not even been made by homo sapiens. Right. And so, <laughs> so, I, so needles existed in the ancient world. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And so. And camels weren't fitting through them. <laughs> yeah. So if you're in a place of power of all sorts and it surrounds you um the gospel is completely foolish to you and you are the powers that that are confounded and dumbfounded mm-hmm. by the power of the cross um and so what the powers did in, in church history is uh turn the cross uh it, with constantine the the roman emperor um right turn the cross into a, a sign of victory military victory uh, you know, he, the the famous yep. legend that he saw the cross over the sky and under this sign you will conquer. And that was God's manifest destiny for the Christians to become Romans. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so so you see how we do this even on a personal level. We we try to somehow manipulate our sense of surrender and powerlessness to get power. And well it's funny too, because I I I mean, it, it's it's not a new thing, but not only in religion, but you see it, you know, in this idea of uh, political power, right? Yeah. You see the Democrats and the Republicans, um, and and I think it's always been that way. But it's interesting how it's uh, what's the right word? Sort of morphed into everyday life, right? Ten yeah. years ago, you could go about your day and and. You know, people weren't trying to make a um, a political win on every every aspect of life, right? Exactly. Whereas you fast forward, you know, fifteen years or ten years to wherever we're at now, and um, 
every everybody's decision wants to be connected to some kind of political victory. Yeah. Whether it's a vi- virtual signaling or a gotcha moment or yeah. whatever it might be. And it just, it's so, um, oh, what would be the right word? It's more than interesting, but it just, it just, um, we, we want to feel part of, right? We're communal animals. And so we want to feel a part of, and a lot of times we want to be a part of the winning team, right? Like you right, don't want to right. choose quote unquote, the losing team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it goes back to that, a uh, quote that uh, I read last Sunday, uh, James Cone, you know, about the gospel of success mm. kind of thing. So people want this success, and so they want to use God to get that success. And it's not that God wants to make you a failure. Uh, that's not it at all either. But mm-hmm. uh, Jesus hanging on the cross does not look like a success. And uh, Well, especially if you bring it, so you fast forward that to today's. So if you you picture Jesus... Um, an electric chair, right? Or getting a needle stuck, you know, it did whatever the death penalty is in your state. If you can imagine Jesus yeah. in that role, it's not a victory, right? Yeah. Like it's not a what we would label a, a a victory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you want me to read? Yeah, yeah. So, so James Cone was a theo- theologian. He died a few years ago and was asked uh, about the future of the Black Church. Because he he's, he wrote uh, Black Liberation Theology, mm. uh, but what he said r- relates to the entire church worldwide, really, and uh, it's just very telling. So I'll just read it if you want. He sa- he said the church is good at singing, preaching, and organizing, etc. What it needs to do is look uh, at its mission. It needs to decide if it will work to save its own life at the expense of others or lose its life for the sake of others. Presently, the church is primarily concerned with saving its own life um, because it's invested in the gospel of success. The gospel of, of Jesus is not a gospel of success. The gospel of Jesus is the gospel of ultimate, he, he emphasizes ultimate success through obvious failure. This is why the cross is at the center of the gospel. The cross is not the gospel of success. Jesus did not succeed. He failed. But God took that failure and transformed it into ultimate success. Ultimate success is not so obvious because the resurrection was not obvious. The tomb was, not, was uh, empty. Nothing was there. So today, with the church's focus on building buildings uh, and things we do f- uh, for success, causes us to fail to see that the cross is the center of who we are and do. Uh, when success becomes the focus of the church, it loses its mission and message. I would like to see a church focused on success, or not on success, but focused on ultimate success through failure. And this failure would be at the heart of things. And and when he and if you look at the YouTube comment when, when he said this, well, the and I comments was gonna, are pretty. Well, and I was uh, going to say that is from a, a YouTube video, right? Yeah, yeah. So I kind so of we'll, transcribed it a little bit. Yeah. So we'll post it. post that link. Okay. To him talking about that. Yeah. On the sh- in the show notes. So if you go if you go to the if you're listening to this and want to watch the full thing or hear yeah. hear the gentleman uh, say it himself, uh, we'll have that in the show notes. Um, so with that, with that quote and sort of that, that, um, insight, right. Of, of perceived failure turning to, I I don't, was it ultimate success? Yeah. Ultimate success, which is the long game, the long run and many interpretations and many adjusted relationships with success, uh, through obvious failure. Ultimate success through obvious failure, and 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 it seems linguistically that's a very uh, subtle difference, but it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And so, and it, and it was you know it was like uh, the context was, I think it was called the State of the Black Union, and it was early two thousands, mm-hmm. and and so when he was address you know he was on a panel of right, some right, sort, right. and and yeah. and so people uh, you know they're very when he says Jesus uh, failed in his mission. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't, they weren't too excited about that, you know, and, 
And then when he says, you know, but God took that failure, and then they stand up and start applauding him uh, and clapping. But be, uh, the church people in that group, I, I know for, because I know the church, they, they'll say amen, 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 hallelujah, you know, preacher, you burned it up, mm -hmm. preach, you preach the word. <laughs> and then they're going to, and they got on their cars and they went back to their churches to continue the mission of success of the institution itself, of the organization itself. Oh, I see. Uh, because maintaining this, buildings and. This was a conference of, for churches to I, come to, together. In I a think sense. so. Yeah. To see what the state of the black church is. But the state of the black church is the state of, you know, the Roman Catholic church, the Southern Baptist uh, convention, uh, Methodists and dorks like us you know uh in my opinion you know it's, yeah, it's yeah, the church's church I, yeah right uh, right right and so so it's very appropriate you know and and so that that's the idea so we 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 want to put all the scapegoat you know well jesus was a failure on the cross so that i can be a winner in life and so what we need to escape is the win lose mm. the the competitive view of life because that's what he's if you will crucifying and to, uh, well, what else is there besides winning and losing? What else is there besides competition? If you're not winning, you're losing. If you're not in first place, you're, you're in last place. <laughs> right? You know, why, why would you? That's, that's what the gospel comes uh, to transform in you, is mm. that viewpoint, that worldview uh, to uh, collaboration, community. Uh, you know, they... they we, we seldom question when someone says, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there. Well, I, I've, I haven't seen dogs eating dogs at every mm -hmm. chance they get. I mean, I've seen some ugly things, but right. but for the most part, dogs hang out together. They're communal animals. They collaborate. Well, uh, even, even nature as a whole, like if you think of, yeah. an, of an ecosystem. Exactly. It, it works in harmony. Exactly. Uh, more you know, than it competes against its, each other. Even out here in the desert in the wintertime rattlesnakes who eat baby rabbits rattlesnakes and rabbits hang out together underground all winter to keep each, you know to share the warmth with each other and so and i'm not saying it's a you know it's all happy and good or you know and that yeah you only have to watch one discovery <laughs> yeah uh, lion attack taking down a gazelle to realize <laughs> exactly. that like there you know there is some yeah. ferocious stuff in the world yeah a killer whale grabbing a deer yeah <laughs> a seal uh is a, is a you know ter terrific in, in the sense of terror inspiring mm. terrific thing uh and for reference go go read william blake's uh poem tiger tiger mm. burning bright he's like what the you know <laughs> how could how can the god that made this little lamb also make this ferocious tiger you know <laughs> what the hell is going on uh that's my english teacher interpretation of that poem um so yeah, so so it's 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 an entry into real community, real collaboration, which is a surrendering of power, a sharing of power, uh, servants, you know, being being servants to one another, because anybody can serve, and that's that's what the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of of service, mm -hmm. uh, not of power in the sense of how much power can I gain. Remember, the disciples were always looking for thrones and seats in Jesus's government. Cause they thought he was going to set up a, a physical government. And, you know, and he's like, no, wash some damn feet. Uh, can you do that? Cause that's what this kingdom is about. You know, mm -hmm. that message hasn't changed. And that, and our desire for power and prestige hasn't changed and success, you know, material yeah. success. Social yeah, success. It's, it's interesting too. I mean, this is beyond Christianity, but, uh, you know, with the advent of social media, now you have sort of these niche uh, celebrities or influencers, or you know, you can use any yeah. sorts of words for them that have found, you know, whether it's like a uh, workout niche or a um, you know, new age niche or yeah. recovery niche or um, or you know, or, I mean, and full circle back, you know, there's sort of these niche. Uh, Christian pastors and stuff, right? Yeah. That, that have leveraged social media well. And so, you know, stepping back to what you were saying is like this uh, fame and adoration or perceived adoration is not that far away 
in 2021, if you have a smartphone and Instagram or Facebook, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you can, you can, you can strive for that stuff. Sure. But then, you know, kind of going back to, to that failure versus ultimate success. If you go up to someone and say, Hey, uh, maybe, you know, maybe log off whatever platform yeah. for a month and a half, two months, they would look at you wild eyed and be like, yeah. well, I can't, no. my followers need me. I post on the internet, therefore I am. <laughs> you know, and so, um, so, so I guess uh, going back, continuing down this vein of of that paradox of of failure versus um, ultimate success, or you know what I mean? What? Yeah. Uh, because I, I think it also something you had said at the beginning, um, this idea of empowerment. Right. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think God is just here to just for the surrender. Right. Like there is some empowerment through, if we use the word from the original thing, a higher power or yeah. Jesus, you know what I mean? So that, so there is some, some sort of restorative nature and you can, you can look at the resurrection for that. Right. Right. And so, so what I, I guess I'm really curious Say, as I sort of put, put, uh, put this together, but sort of what is your interpretation of that for an, an average, you know, whatever person, an average person walking the earth, experiencing or entering into the resurrection through this failure? Yeah. What What is your your perception of like what? What can that be like? What 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 um, what does that mean for an, uh, someone trying to live an open-hearted life? Yeah, I, I would agree with with James Cone when it, you know he said the the resurrection was not obvious. Mm. So so your resurrection, your experience of resurrection and and or transformation of your suffering, or the uh, making of peace with your suffering. Uh, or the a good result from it, you know. However, you want to talk about it is is not going to be obvious. Mm. It's going to be very different for for different people. Um, James Finley uh, tells a story of a friend of his who they had a, a child who was dying of cancer, mm-hmm. um, and this and this child had taken uh, the father's shoes. He had expensive work shoes, and had taken them outside. And, uh, and they got, you know, they put mud in them or something like right. that. And, and, uh, and so even though she was dying, you know, he had to tell her, look, don't do that. Don't take my shoes outside. And, and then, you know, they went through the heart wrenching, grueling process of her passing away and, and the funeral and, you know, and, and, and then the quiet that settles over the house after the funeral and all the people are gone. And, and uh, he was going upstairs to bed and, uh, his shoe that she had been playing with was there on the stairs and just this deep despair, you know, and, and loss and grief. And he allowed himself to feel that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and as he did that, and this wasn't right away, obviously this was in the process of it. Uh, he would be, uh, he found himself like at the park or uh, in public and he would see children, you know, place where you'd see children playing mm-hmm. at the park and one time he had this deep, deep, profound sense that the children that he was watching, swinging and playing uh, was his child. Mm. And this deep empathy for uh, the human race just came up in his life. So that's a resurrection. That's a transformation mm-hmm. in pain. I wish I could tell you, like, star, star-studded preachers would tell you that child was raised from the dead and, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, that's not the case for the rest of us. Uh, this is the gospel for the rest of us, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, there are instances, right? Like miraculous healings. Absolutely. You know, that I, there's room for that in that story too, but yeah, that's not always the outcome. Exactly. That, hence the word miraculous yeah. <laughs> attached to it. And so that would be an example of, of a resurrection uh, kind of thing. Uh, when you accompany someone in their suffering, let's say 
someone is, you know, their spouse is dying of, of cancer or they have Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that. And you, and you just watch how they interact with one another. A uh, couple of years, you know, like old couples on a good day are sniping at each <laughs> other. <laughs> you, know. Yeah. you know, my parents are no exception of that. Uh, but a couple of years ago, my dad had a stroke. And uh, so we were there at the hospital with him, you know, all night. And to see the the very subtle tenderness between him and my mother mm. uh, and, the, and the compassion that, that, that was there, uh, it changed my life. So there's a tragedy. There's a difficult situation. Uh, but from out of it comes a resurrection. But it's not obvious, like James Cone said. It's Because what they saw was an empty tomb. You know, there's this emptiness. And... There was some theologian who said, uh, we're, we're uncomfortable with that emptiness in the tomb. So we always want to throw doctrines in it and creeds mm. and, and Bible commentaries and uh, the Bible itself uh, and, and institutions and ideas and traditions and throw them in that empty space uh, so that we, we're not uncomfortable with it anymore. But no, you have to enter into the empty space of the tomb. That's kind of particularly the gospel of John that it emphasizes, right? Peter and John going into the emptiness of the tomb and witnessing what was there and not there. Well, I think that goes back to, this is an ongoing theme on this podcast for sure, but just the emptiness is a, a metaphor for silence, right? Exactly. And how uncomfortable that can be. Um, and even spirit, Holy Spirit, mm. formlessness, emptiness. Oh, yeah. And so... So the Holy Spirit is that ultimate formlessness that could fill form at any moment and then uh, and continue to be formless. And so amazing. And so with the the resurrection not being obvious, when you were when you restated that a few moments ago, the thing that came to mind for me was patience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you think patience plays a role um, in life in general, but but more specifically, like in our spiritual journey? Yeah, it's countercultural for sure. We're an instant, like you said, Instagram. It's instant. Mm. Uh, we want instant gratification. We we demand that. We're outraged if people walked off the job at Burger King. Uh, for better wages, <laughs> I'd wonder, oh, I didn't get my Whopper. You know? My uh, Whopper took twenty yeah, minutes really? instead well, of five minutes. You killed unions. What did you expect? <laughs> so deal with it. Um, so yeah, it's a being patient, waiting. It's it's always. I think that's a countercultural measure, and it's highly spiritual. It's highly. Uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, I can't. I can't think of the word. Undermining to empire. It's mm. a. Uh, I forgot. Uh, I can't get the word, but uh, it's it's uh, it can be controversial, even you know, right. to be a, and and you see that in in the prophetic scriptures of the of uh, the Jewish scriptures, and you see it as a theme in the New Testament to wait on the Lord. That phrase mm. crops up in in uh, the Christian scriptures and the Jewish scriptures. Of to wait on the Lord. That's and that's what the the you know wait and see what's going to happen. Let God do something, you know. And it's the story of the Red Sea parting, you know. Uh, you know, the, the, they've got the the empire of Egypt behind them with right. the with Pharaoh, and they're gonna and the the uh, chariots and all that, and and then they've got the ocean in front of them, and and then Moses says, uh, you know, speaking prophetically, the Lord says, "All you have to do is be still. It's all you have to do." And so that's that's the metaphor there, you know, for for everything. So, and and it's funny because you know you talked about service a few a little bit, and we, you know we brought up silence again. But one thing, and this you know this might be an episode on of its own, but going even deeper into this this idea of of patience, you know what what. What words of wisdom or, or north stars you can point to with someone that's in the middle of this uh, 
I want spiritual growth now. I want right. to be enlightened now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what 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 are sort of the things, you know, the the sidebar conversations you might have with someone that has that that yeah. idea of of spiritual growth. Right. And knowing your own walk with patience. Well, I think elders in my life, because I was that I was I was that intense right. young man. And so they would the phrase they would often use, you're an intense young man. <laughs> <laughs> and so what they were saying is you need to calm down. Uh, but I did see a counselor. Uh, I don't think she was a therapist, but she was a counselor, a Christian counselor uh, after my brother died in my early 20s. And and I think my opening statement to her was, uh, I want to make sure I deal with this now so that I'm not messed up later in life. So I... I in other words, I wanted these check boxes right. for my grief. You know, I want I want to be able to. You know, I was just fresh out of college, so life was more check box kind of thing. And I was learning to write lesson plans for school and how to teach. You know, yeah, you wanted to be able to focus on the task at hand. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. bypass the grief. Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. And and so she patiently said, "Hey, uh, you know, she didn't remind me that I was short, but like most people, but." Uh, she said, when you were a, a kid, did they mark your height on the wall, you know, at the house? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, she said, uh, was there anything you could do to make that growth go faster? Or did it just happen on its own? Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. I see what you did there. <laughs> and so you, you can't force those kinds of things. And, and so you could give someone that kind of an analogy uh, but most of the time, they're just going to burn it out anyway. They're going to – a lot of people will go into uh, the unmanageability of their lives. They mm -hmm. will go through that process. I mean, you you as a an AA sponsor, you're very patient with – you're like, yeah, they're – you don't take it personally that they're drinking again and binge, and they, you know, and they woke up in, you know uh, – in another state <laughs> or another country <laughs> yeah, or another country in the cargo of a plane somehow. Uh, and well, you're like, you, you, you understand that is the process. And so, so I guess you could help people, but you know, uh, but if they won't practice the silence with you, you know, mm -hmm. then, um, they, they have to keep doing their journey. Well, and that's always true, right? Like, People have to keep their keep doing their journey regardless. You know, the throwaway line, or it's not a throwaway line, but it's it's a played out line for sure. And recovery is um, time takes time. Uh, that's you know, good, yeah. if, if someone has three months or six months or nine, you know, and they're like, "Well, but that that guy's got ten years and he seems to be peaceful." And yeah you know, his life looks put together and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, time takes time, you know? Exactly. And, and I, I say it's a played out line because it's, it's, um, at the end of the day, it's not that helpful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess, and this is the, the question that kind of came to mind is, as, uh, you were speaking, but so how for yourself, because I guess the way the best way to distribute these lessons, right, is is to embody them, right. And so, how do you, whether it's a, a daily basis or throughout a month or what, you know, whatever time frame, that not that important. But how do you embody patience? And have you ever even thought about yeah something like that before? I I usually my practice, you know, which is usually walking prayer. Mm -hmm. So, so my walk, that daily walk, I don't mean that metaphor, the physical walk. Right. The actual well, going well, outside. Yeah. And, yeah. Kind of plays out as my life. Mm. So I'll start off walking at a very fast pace. Uh, my anxieties and impatience and wanting things to change, walking, you know, very quickly, uh, maybe even praying prayers of like the Psalms, you know, God help you got to show up. You got to do this. You got to deal with this. Where are you, God? I'm on fire. You know, uh, where are you when we really need you? You know, and and so so you go through some of those mental, cathartic kinds of things. Uh, I think that's what good, uh, 
uh, worship music is all about mm. is, is collectively taking our despair and our disappointments of the week and our failures, uh, but our trust in that there's that the, the, the not so obvious resurrection and transformation is coming. God is faithful. And you begin to proclaim that and, you know, and, and you do, as they said of, of Martin Luther King Jr. in his last speech in Memphis, his last, uh, so it was really a sermon the, I may not make it to the, to the promised land with you, mm-hmm. but I've been on the mountain. You know, they said he preached himself out of a depression that night. Mm-hmm. And had he lived, he would have had to have preached himself out of it again. And that was to union workers, right? His yeah, garbage, garbage workers, uh, the, the sanitation workers, right. strikers. Anyway. Strike, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but say that again. If okay. he had lived, he would have. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been a one-time therapy session where oh, I'm done. No, it was a process you see it in the Psalms. Uh, God, where the hell are you? That's the first part of the, many of the Psalms. What you, what you, you, you let, why do you let these bastards live? They're these evil people, you know, and don't you have any lightning bolts you could use? You <laughs> a know? Spare lightning Come on, God, you know, <laughs> where are you? And then, and then the middle part of the Psalm, but I trust you. It starts to calm down the pace in fact, they'll even put a pause in it called Selah, which is, I guess, for musicians to pause it, mm. a dramatic pause, perhaps. And then, but God, you're faithful and things are going to work out. You're going to move. I trust you no matter what happens. Uh, and then a lot of times there'll be a third part. But God, where are you? <laughs> it comes back. It didn't stick. And then it has to go again, you know, so it'll be like four parts like that. And that's, that's kind of how the walk will work. And then eventually, if, if if I walk long enough, and depending on the circumstances, mm-hmm. there will be a long silence that will come and enter in, and uh, and those, and that happens even on a normal day, right? With mm-hmm. your thoughts and think basic things you have to do. You know, you we have what the Buddhists call monkey mind. You know, your your mind is all over the place. I don't mean to offend any monkeys out there. Uh, who maybe listen orangutans and gorillas and yeah, there's some. Peace, hey, you said I have peaceful, a monkey. <laughs> there's some peaceful orangutans. I'm not jumping everywhere. I lie down under a, a gunny sack all day at the zoo. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, monkey mind. Where I guess the kind of monkeys that live in the trees and throw things at people uh, all over the place, and so your mind is all over, you know, jumping all over the place. That's a normal state of our of our minds. And, uh, and so, so getting into that stillness and silence and, uh, will calm that, you know, so your thoughts being everywhere. Well, and I think that's, um, part of the process. You use that word process as you yeah. described it, is that engaging with these practices, whatever it might be, right? Whatever spiritual practices, we're not saying just engage with them when, when trauma or sadness or no. tough times, you you do it on a, an average Tuesday. Right. You, you engage with them when when you do you know when you do have those successes, right? Because people do have successes. Yeah. You you engage with the spiritual practice even then, yeah. you know, and and so when it's good, bad, and just a regular and different situation. Yeah. And then you have a, stay engaged. Exactly. You, you have know? a basic calmness about it whether you're so, so if you you know as, as you're you're then able to not let a win get to your head or a mm-hmm. loss to your heart as mm-hmm. public enemy said <laughs> so <laughs> well and that you know one of my favorite and i don't i can't i wish i could remember who told me pointed this out to me but in the recovery world it's not a sprint Oh, you don't yeah. you don't fast run to some like some people look at the 12 steps and they're like, oh, I gotta get through these. Right. Which can be true. You can sprint through the steps. But if what you're looking for is spiritual growth, uh, emotional growth, um, yeah. serenity, some of these different things that Lifetime, we talk about. Sobriety. It's a marathon. Yeah. So you can sprint through the steps, but you gotta remember, like after that, it's like you got to, this has got to become a sustainable part of your life. Yeah. Um, and that, that was sort of when, when you were elaborating on the process that, that reminder came up to me because I, you've never ran a marathon, right? <laughs> yeah, no. And I've, and I've never <laughs> run a marathon. I did a half marathon and it was, it was 
halfway through, I was like, this is the dumbest. <laughs> this is one of the dumbest things I've ever done. I mean, I mean we have a mutual friend, David Revenberg, who runs, he runs a marathon all, every morning. He uses what? Ultra. He does yeah, the ultra marathons, yeah. which is a whole nother level. Anyways, but taking that experience of running a half marathon for myself and, and for, you know, for you walking miles and miles. Yeah, not, not in one day, but no, but still it, it's been a continuous theme in your life. Yes. You know, whether it's hiking mountains or walking the the dirt, uh, dirt past the chaparral. Um, it's not always fun. The weather's not always going to cooperate. Yeah. You're going to physically get worn out. You're going to get emotionally worn out, spiritually yeah. worn out. Um, Bug will land in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or on your eyeball or something. Yeah. And you you, pers- you persist anyways. Right. You know, and, and, and find a time for rest. Yeah. And find a time for silence. And find a time for, you know, metaphorically or, or maybe literally walking alongside someone as they – trudge whatever their yeah their walk is that day and um it's not fun it's not easy but the the yeah the ultimate quote unquote success of it being able to engage the world in a different way in a new way um maybe getting a little bit more insight about uh how did you put it earlier the gospel of christ instead of the gospel of yeah the gospel of success yeah the gospel of ultimate success through obvious failure instead of the gospel of success by what we mean you know material a a life of comfort a life of where you're protected from tragic events and bad news and which, you know, eventually that doesn't. As an English teacher, I would refer you to uh, uh, the Mask of the Red Death. It's kind of the theme. They, mm. There's a, a plague going on, uh, the Red Death, and and I think his name was Prospero, if I'm not, if I remember right. The Prince, Prosperous, and Prosperity. And he takes his best friends and they lock themselves up in the castle, let the world die, and, and they think they're protected from the red death and you know i won't spoil it (laughs) (laughs) let me just say during this last pandemic i imagined an ebony grandfather clock appearing at times square interesting you know in reference to that story for those of you who know it and remember it in english class but yeah eventually it comes no matter what kind of fortresses you put up and you know blah 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 (laughs) yeah because it's are uh regardless of how smart you actually are or how smart you think you are yeah there's always stuff there's always that blind spot exactly there's always that blind spot that we're not um not aware of and and um we're getting we're getting close on time and so um i i guess the last question would be you know we have this ongoing service silence service to others Silence um, today kind of manifested in emptiness, mm-hmm. um, patience. Um, is there a, another uh, sort of angle of looking at um, attempting to encounter this uh, unforeseen resurrection? Right, this this yeah. healing that that's going to come from a place that um, isn't obvious. Yeah, I think because I think Christians struggle with this issue, you know, and so I think maybe a prayer, a simple prayer of maybe holding your hands out. So your hands are are in a state, you know, in a physical posture of being emptied, mm. but being filled at the same time. And you say something like, you know, I am emptied with you, Christ, as you fill me with your spirit. I am emptied with you, Christ as you fill me with your spirit. And so there's this exchange taking place, right? And, and, and you can even incorporate a prayer like that into your breathing. Uh, you know, you could, or if you want to, or if you're in, if you're into the whole brevity thing, you could say, uh, emptiness and fullness, empty and full, 
Uh, and so, so as I'm being emptied of my own power, I'm being filled with a different kind of power, uh, uh, the presence of, of God, the presence of the spirit. Um, that's, that's a very powerful thing. And, and, you know, and Pentecostals will acknowledge that you can't be filled with the spirit unless you're emptied of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, they'll say that they'll usually turn it into moral kinds of things. If you're smoking, right. drinking, dancing, got to empty yourself of these, <laughs> these kinds of things, which they're, you know, yeah, but there's something much more deeper than that. Right. Uh, so what I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a beautiful sort of ending for this, um, today's episode. All right. You know, just this, this idea of, of letting go of whatever we're hanging on to, to be filled with the, the spirit of Christ, because in my opinion, my humble opinion or my humble experience, that's letting God's, uh, spirit fill me is far more sustainable than me trying to, to control every yeah. aspect of my life or, uh, you know, trying, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And it goes to the heart of recovery. I don't even have the power to let go, yeah. to surrender. So you have to be patient with that process. Yeah. That's and very true. Very patient with yourself. <clears throat> Beautiful, man. Yeah. Happy birthday again. Well, thank you. Love you, brother. Love you too. Uh, for those listening, out there. um, DRCR pod to find other episodes, uh, monkdrums.com for those drums you hear in the background, uh, theruined.com for prayers and poems and insights. Um, but this is uh, Dispatches from the Verge. Our other series is Road to Desert Rain, uh, where we sit down and, and hear different uh, insights and avenues and um, plane rides and everything else of people landing here at at Desert Rain and uh, we appreciate you listening have a wonderful day